This podcast is being brought to you by DCS Alabama LLC, founded by Patrick Denny. DCS Alabama LLC offers a unique way to identify solid performing investments with the primary targets being commercial and residential real estate, while also searching for those rare small business companies that need a boost to excel. These investments, balanced with high risk against low risk, add diversity to increase one's investment return. Patrick Denny's background in commercial real estate includes disciplines focused in office, retail, industrial, and medical, with an emphasis on municipal, state, and federal government consulting for many of his clients. You can find them on the web at dcsalabama.com or give them a call at 205 397 9398. Counselor Abbott, I have a joke for you. Okay. Well, really, we don't approve of political jokes. We've seen them get elected too many times. (laughs) (laughs) We've seen too many get elected. That's it. (laughs) Your turn. Okay. What's the difference between death and taxes? Boy. Congress only meets every other year so they can't possibly make death worse (laughs) you did it yay now for those of you few people who don't know birmingham city councilor valerie abbott is chair of the planning and zoning committee and a member of the administration budget and finance governmental affairs and Public Information, Public Improvements, and Beautification Committees. With the future of the City of Birmingham at the forefront, Councilor Abbott has been a champion of the comprehensive plan. The plan will set out a 20-year policy and strategic framework for the City of Birmingham. Her seemingly endless schedule of neighborhood meetings and community events is her way of learning about the needs and concerns of citizens throughout the city of Birmingham and ensures that she is knowledgeable when issues affecting various neighborhoods come before the city council. Councilor Abbott serves on the boards of the Birmingham Planning Commission, Birmingham Tree Commission, oh, we gotta talk about that, Birmingham Historical Society, the Metropolitan Planning Organization, and has served as chairman of the board of the Regional Planning Commission of Greater Birmingham. She has collaborated with her fellow counselors and city staff to revise ordinances regulating noise, smoking, and fences. An avid gardener and nature enthusiast, her pursuit of neighborhood health and revitalization has resulted in two community gardens, including a national award-winning project in East Avondale. She is a proponent of all things green, including Birmingham's recycling program, which is experiencing a rebirth. Good. 
Her credentials include a bachelor's degree from the School of Architecture and Fine Arts at Auburn University and a master's degree in public and private management from Birmingham Southern College. As an employee of AT&T Services, Inc. for the past 40 years, Council President Abbott has deep roots she, she has been council president, has deep roots in the community's business sector, as well as within its neighborhoods. The recipient of numerous volunteer awards from groups ranging from the Civitan Club to the Birmingham Tree Commission, Councilor Abbott was named Birmingham's unsung hero in 1993. That's pretty cool. I can't wait to get back to some of that. But first, we're going to ask you a question from last season that I got to ask all the other counselors. And I finally have you here. What makes you so Birmingham? What makes me so Birmingham? Mm -hmm. Well, I think what makes me so Birmingham <coughs> is that I was born here. I was born to parents and grandparents who were from here, and they just, um, and I guess they just inspired me to be involved in the community and to try to, it was always a thing to try to make it better. I never wanted to be in politics <laughs> until I got old, but, um, you know, just doing things that improved the world, really. And my dad was a big tree planter. And his, in, in fact, the gentleman who bought the house he grew up in just cut down his tree that he planted in the front yard when they first moved in the house. Oh, wow. I was deeply hurt by that, but it happens. Yeah. Um, now, as... Oh. I remember the question. <laughs> you have to say your first, fondest, most notable, whatever memory you have of me. I know it's going to be something from a council meeting. <laughs> well, no, but you might not like it. Okay, um, I will I love remember it. you running across the street from where you worked with an envelope that I was driving by to pick up from you because I was running for office, and you were working for someone who offered to help me. Yeah. <laughs> so, and you had to run across three or four lanes of traffic, so that's that sort of stuck in one. my mind. I thought, I hope he doesn't get hit. <laughs> Well, I have a couple. The first one is that year for the Sickle Cell Gala, you took down your hair. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm telling you, I was like, oh my goodness, I had no idea. You had that much hair. How how far does your hair go down? Oh, it doesn't go down nearly as far as it used to. Oh, you cut it just, since then? Well, now, I, I, cut, I cut my hair about every two or three months, you know, just to keep it just from to, getting raggedy. But I have less of it now than I used to because I'm getting older. Well, uh, that you know, was just... 
the crowd went wild. I mean, it was well, just it, so it was, cool. I think it was because it was unexpected. It was, it was Robert Kelly's idea. Okay. And he and uh, my assistant Martha Espy, I, we had a we had a, <laughs> a big time with it because it was his idea. He said, "You know, you're just so." you know, straight and everything. And he said, I want you to do something unexpected, so why don't we do this? <laughs> and uh, it's funny, the people who remember that. <laughs> that was a long time that ago. Was... And now the second thing I have, which is I, w I want you to talk about, I'm going to set it up. Um, I learned, I've learned a lot. Because of you, through you, from you, as it relates to politics in Birmingham and how to and how to take it, right? And I used to be so dis I would be so angry with you all the time. I would be so <laughs> and one day, and 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 you know, the the farther I got into politics, the more opinionated I got. But one day my dad came to me. And he said, what is your problem with Val? <laughs> so I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and he talked about how much he loved you and how much he appreciated you. And he told me two things. He said, number one, don't get at the person over the policy or whatever instance because that's still a good person. They just happen to view things differently from you. And the second thing was he was like, you have to remember that city councilors are advocates for their neighborhood their voters, the people that got them elected. You didn't get them elected. They got them elected. And those people have a voice too. And, and, and you know, I learned a lot. And literally from that moment on, I have been like, I have never seen you less than a wonderful, wonderful person. You're and so I, kind. And, I, and I, I just think very highly of you. So anyway... Tell me about you and my dad and how you guys got to be good buddies. Well, you know, he was he was in corporate America, you know, so people who knew, you know, you, you learn who's who. Right. And he was a who. You know? <laughs> he so, was a who. Yeah, he was he was in the who's who. And so, you know, you get to know who the people are and you always are interested in how they got where they are, you know, what inspired them who their mentors were, who noticed them and said, hey, this is a sharp person. We need to get him or her. Um, so, you know, your dad was one of those high flyers, and you always learn the names of the high flyers. So, <laughs> Well, to elaborate, he, he would talk about how you guys would chat because my grandmother and your mother – were in the same hospital. Well, they were in the nursing nursing, home, nursing mm -hmm. homes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, unfortunately, there's one nursing home where everybody on 
my mother's side of the family ended up there, and then there was another one where everybody on my father's side of the family <laughs> seemed to end up there. It was very strange. But anyway, yeah, we had people in the nursing home at the same time, and I think, I was trying to remember, I think when, I think when we used to see each other all the time, it was when my father was in there, and it my, and, and my okay. mother and I used to go and visit him every single day. Okay. We did not let a day go by that we weren't there because we wanted them to know that we were watching. Yeah. And that we were we cared about the care he got because, you know, you always hear people who their family dumps them off at the nursing home. And right. You know, that's the end of it. And, um, and, and he had some roommates that were that way. So, you know, we just didn't want anybody to ever get the idea that they could slack off on taking care of him because nobody else cared so yeah and as far as your family is concerned you said that they were from Birmingham where but trace that from where they come from yeah yeah well my grandfather came down from Tennessee to the Cumberland School of Law. Okay. He okay. was a, he was an attorney. Okay. And later he was a municipal judge in Birmingham back many years ago. Okay. Because everybody called him Judge Anderton, and I was like, why do they call him that? <laughs> you know, you're a little kid. <laughs> right. But anyway, so and my grandmother's folks came over from Mississippi. And she was actually born at Arlington, which was a boarding house at that time. You know, it really it, it had declined, and, and it was just a boarding house. And she was born at Arlington. And, of course, you know, then somebody decided to make it into a museum and save it. Uh-huh. Uh, but anyway, so they their families came here and, and met and... Um, and where now? Where did you go to school? Where did you go to elementary school and high well, school? I went to Glen Iris Elementary School. Then my dad built a house in Homewood, and I went to Shades Cahaba Elementary. Then I think Homewood was a junior high school then, and then I went to Shades Valley, which was a county school, but Homewood didn't have a school system of its own they do now they built the high school were you in the band or anything like that what'd you do in in grade school or high school or were you just the buttoned up student i was uh, i studied okay and um and i was really into art okay so and i was i was into reading and taking ap classes and stuff like that i mean i was I wasn't a super egghead, but I knew that, you know, my parents had taught me that education is everything. Mm. Nothing else except God and your family count. Education is it. If you get a great education, you'll you'll be fine. And if you don't, well, something might happen to you. Amen I didn't want that. any bad things to happen to me. <laughs> so, uh, so I was a studious person. You know, I was the person that the members of the football team always wanted to copy off my paper because <laughs> they they hadn't been paying any attention. <laughs> now you have, and the answer was always no. I'm it was sorry, no? I can't do that. It's it's dishonest. I'm shocked. You can't do <laughs> you can't do that. It's, I'm really surprised that you didn't let them cheat on your paper. Well, if you're surprised, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm being facetious. <laughs> and I know 
Well, in my opinion, um, given your status, if you will, you've made great decisions in your life. But if you could go back to an age, pick an age you would go back to and what advice would you give your younger self? Um, let's see. Well, you know, I'm an introvert. And I would go back and turn myself into an extrovert somehow because that has been a, um, you know, a problem for me all my life. You know, I watched all the cool people having fun and being outgoing, and I wasn't. Yeah. And I thought, that just looks like so much fun. Yeah. You know, why can't I be like that? But, you know, you really can't change your personality. But... That was something that when I was a kid especially, I thought, why can't I be like them? You know, they're all out there just busting it. But the thing that's really funny is it's really better to be an introvert when you're on the city council because what happens is the extroverts, you know, they just start talking. You know, like an issue comes up and they just start talking. They don't think. They just start talking. And you have all this talk going on with no thought behind it. And most of the introverts kind of sit around and think about things before they start talking. So, you know, but I, I guess I couldn't tell myself to do that, but I wish I could. How do you... Because I see that. That you are, you're a quiet, reserved, introverted person, but yet you have been very successful in running for office. How do, how do you juxtapose that? How, how have you been able to be successful when really at nature you're a quiet, shy person? Well, it all comes down to um, beliefs and, and issues. You know, I was, um, before I ran for office, and of course I never thought about running for office, um, but I was involved in my neighborhood association. And we had a, a bunch of officers that were older, and they all decided that they needed an, a younger crowd, so each one of them had to go and recruit somebody to run for their spot. And I was one of them. So I, I became a neighborhood officer. And the thing I noticed that really irritated me was that city government concentrated and, and gave all of the attention to business and economic development. If I never heard those words again, I'd be perfectly happy. And the residents always got the crumbs. You know, they, they would say, well, if we do this new, this new building this new edifice, it's going to bring in a lot more money and taxes and we'll be able to fix up the neighborhoods. I've been hearing that for 40 years. Do you think we fixed up the neighborhoods? Not no, yeah. but heck no. <laughs> right. We haven't. I mean, you and, and, and of course, those of us who attend all our neighborhood association meetings in our district, we hear it routinely. Right. Um, but the city government still focuses the major money i mean you know amphitheaters and you know if you can build it we love it yeah. you know if we can put five or ten million dollars into it we love it but doing the things the residents want believe it or not the residents for the most part don't give a darn about an amphitheater 
They weren't all that inspired about a football stadium. They want somebody to come and fix the things in their neighborhood that are wrong. They care about they care really the very most about what touches them where they live. I told I if I haven't told Randall once, I've told him a million times. If you fix the streets, they will love you. <laughs> like Well, don't just say that, the streets. Remember sidewalks because you can fall on, on them and hurt yourself pretty bad. I myself ended up in the emergency room at UAB because of Birmingham sidewalks. Did you sue? No. Why? <laughs> Because I was a member of the Birmingham City Council, so and I felt like it was my that's fault. That's even better. Well, <laughs> believe it or not, fixing things is the administration's job, and if they refuse to do it, the council can't do anything. I mean, you know, except, you know, we can do mean things like not approve the budget, you know, yeah. but that's icky. I mean, you really don't want to get in that. I mean, so I've been on the council long enough to where I've seen it done every way, and the wrong way is to butt heads constantly with the administration and the mayor because then nothing gets done. Well, when we get back, we're going to talk about the icky stuff. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is being brought to you by the Jones Group. The Jones Group is a full-service government relations and strategic communications firm specializing in political, corporate, and nonprofit consulting at the local, state, and federal levels. Their commitment to every client is twofold, providing trusted service and desired results. The Jones Group has built a national reputation that stands for integrity, efficacy, service, and results. You can find them on the web at www.jonesgroupllc.com. What is your favorite Charity. I really like the Salvation Army. Okay. You know, they're kind of quiet, mm -hmm. but the thing I admire about them is those people that do that work, they get paid practically nothing. Mm -hmm. And they're doing the job because they truly believe in spreading the gospel and helping people who are down on their luck. I mean, they are really, really dedicated people. And so I, I admire them, and i that's one of my favorite charities. I remember Brigadier... Oh, I can't believe I've... I can't, I've forgotten his name. That's horrible. But anyway, there was one... Brigadier from the Salvation Army, when I first got on the council, he attended every single council meeting, and he was the voice of the Salvation Army. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they built that wonderful center out there. Um, you know, they, they, just, <clears throat> they just keep going, and, and they, they don't change their mission, and they don't forget who they're working for. Right. But I just admire people who they just are so selfless to do that work. And like I said, they get paid practically nothing. So, you know, nobody can say this is a money-making operation. Right, right. These are people who are sincere and believe in what they're doing. So I admire them. Well, if you don't answer one of these questions, you have to make a donation. But they're easy. <laughs> well, I'd be glad Re to make a donation anyway. <laughs> Regents Park or Rickwood Field? 
which one do I love the most? Not love the most, just you have to choose for Rick, whatever reason. Rickwood Field. Okay. Botanical Gardens or Railroad Park? Oh, that's a tough one. Oh, I'm going to get a donation out of you. I can already tell. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm going to go with the Botanical Gardens. Okay. It's in my district, you know. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Loyalty. That, that makes it easier. Protective Stadium or Legacy Arena? I guess Protective Stadium because it's outdoors. Okay. Crossplex or Legion Field? Crossplex has an Olympic swimming pool, so I have to go with it. All right. Birmingham Zoo or McWayne Science Center? Well, I have to go with Birmingham Zoo because it's in my district. Right. <laughs> Sloss Furnace or Vulcan Park? Well, I have to go with Vulcan Park because it's in my district. Birmingham Barons or Birmingham Squadron? Barons. Birmingham Legion or Birmingham Stallions? Stallions. I've been a horse lover all my life. Biggie or Tupac? <sighs> Gosh, that's a really bad... <laughs> Tupac, I guess. <laughs> I mean, somehow when drug dealers turn into famous people, it kind of hurts. Yeah, my dad was forced to pick Tupac, too, He just, just because of the same deduction. Yeah, you just think about selling drugs to people and ruining their lives, and then you become rich and famous. Of course, somebody finally bumps you off, but... You know, it's it, it it's not a good it that's not a good look. No. Um Alabama State or Alabama A and M. Oh, oh did I get her? Did I get her? Well you did get me, but Alabama A and M because I have a lot of friends that went there and I don't have I'm trying to think of one friend that I have that went to state, so I have to go with A&M, plus I like their colors. You like their colors. <laughs> <laughs> and their band, and sometimes a football team. But. And the parade. That's the best thing about Magic City Classic is the parade. Tonight. Oh, I love the mid the halftime shows. Oh, yes. I just, now, state, they do have the best mascot. That little hornet. The little hornet, yeah. Yeah, the hornet. One year they had somebody inside that hornet suit that could really, you know, like shake it. And it was so funny. <laughs> it was just so funny. And and then they got some straight person, you know, would have been like me walking around. You know, not doing anything. Lost all the yeah. flair, huh? <laughs> now, um, let's talk about, first of all, you're on the Tree Commission. I didn't know that. Well, the Tree Commission is sort of defunct, but we still we still have the ordinance, but we I've been trying to get it rewritten because we need an ordinance with more teeth in it. 
You know, I, we have people who cut trees on city rights of way and do all kinds of things, and, you know, city doesn't do much anything about it. You know, they say, oh, you shouldn't have done that. Well, a tree, you know, 50-, 75-year-old tree, after you cut it down, it's gone. You can't put it back. You can't find somebody enough to make up for the life of that tree. But uh, the trees are a big thing to me, like I said, because of my dad and because when I was president of my neighborhood, we planted for 15 years in a row, we planted 30 trees every year. So that was a lot of trees. Now, some got killed by errant drivers and things like that, but um, I was very proud of that. And In fact, I was talking with Dr. Lee about another tree uh, program where I fund it out of my discretionary funds, and we get more trees because we the city does not concentrate on Let's trees. Let's look at the flip side of it, though. Um, I had Randall out, I had Mayor Woodfin out walking the neighborhood one day, and I was pointing out, these huge, massive trees that we have in poor people's yards, what are they going to do? We don't have trees in poor people's yards. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is... We don't have responsibility for private property. Hear me out, hear me out, hear me out. What I'm saying here is that just like some other things, yeah... it is the, the, the citizen's responsibility, but if the citizen can't afford to do proper tree maintenance, it does become a city issue when it falls down on somebody's house, it falls down in the street. All I'm simply saying here, because you know I'm going to take advantage of being in front of de- decision makers and, and thought leaders, is that we have to start thinking about the tree problems. And I don't and I don't know that anybody has really given thought to that. It's just it so happened to happen to three different people that I'm very close to where you know abandoned lot tree growing on it next thing you know it falls down and it's in the middle of your your yard. So I'm I'm, that's just something I've been thinking about. Like, we've got really, really, really big trees that these poor people can't afford to to prune or work on. So we got to start thinking about that at some point. Well, that is a – I mean, that's an issue. We've got lots of issues, just like the one with the mowing of grass on private property. You know, after years and years of complaints, we – We had an administration that decided the city was going to start cutting them, and you have to go through all this legal stuff to to expend public dollars on private property. You know how many times we mow those lots a year? I would dare to say that you've got to hit each lot three times a year. No. We either hit them once a year or twice a year. Now, just think about it for a minute. At your house, if you have a lawn and you only mow it once or twice a year, what do your neighbors think of you? Right. 
Not much. Not much at all. So we really are just wasting millions of dollars because we put liens on the property. And I think that the head of public works back in the past told me that we got maybe 10% of what we put into grass cutting back. Right. So we're just, it's like pulling up a, you know, a dump truck full of money to the landfill and just dumping it. Yeah. Because we don't get the money back, but we don't satisfy anyone either. You know, one or two cuts a year does not make anybody happy. So everybody's mad, mm-hmm. you know, all the time. And we've we've thrown away all this money. Now, one good thing that the city has done, we just approved it a couple of weeks ago, was a tool bank. Mm, where not-for-profits and neighborhood groups can go and get tools to be able to do some of this major work. Mm-hmm. And in the past, the neighborhood associations weren't allowed to buy equipment because of the city's liability. Right. But this is a, you know, an official organization, and they're in charge of their own liability, and, and they will have tools that not-for-profits and community groups can get to go out and do projects and i think that that is a very good solution because we have lots of volunteers Mm -hmm. and they train you to use the equipment so you don't go out there and drill a hole in you know somebody's pipes or something else that you could do wrong Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know they teach you how to use them and they tell you what the requirements are if you go to rent an auger you can't just drill a hole anywhere because you might hit a water pipe or a gas pipe or right. something under the ground. So that would be to, me. I'd go yeah. get an auger and just get yeah. Well, I'm, there is a number you call to have them. the line location people will right. come and locate the lines and, and they put all those stripes it. all yep. over the... But to make sure that you're not going to drill into something you didn't intend to drill into. But still, I just think that that tool bank is going to be a game changer because there's lots of people who are willing to work as a volunteer, mm-hmm. but they they need stuff. Yeah. I mean, all of us can bring our own shovel and our own pick and things like that, but a lot of people, you know, when it comes to the power tools, That's now I told them if they've job. got a, a front-end loader, backhoe, I want to learn how to drive one of those. Me I have, too. I have lots of places I could go and do something me with too. a backhoe. So. <laughs> Give me a, teach me how to use a bobcat in his own. <laughs> <laughs> What other future projects are coming down the line that you're proud of, particularly in your in your district? Well, we're trying hard to get some attention to sidewalks, and primarily because most, I would say the vast majority of, of District 3, they're old neighborhoods that were developed before cars. So people didn't have cars, so they walked everywhere, so there were sidewalks. And those sidewalks are now 100, 125 years old, and they're all broken up. And when you walk on them, you have a great propensity to trip and fall and, you know, bust your head, which is what I did. And, uh, you know, so it's we need to take care, especially in neighborhoods where lots of people are walking, you need to remove that liability because it is a liability. Once people have reported that there is a damaged sidewalk and said, city, you need to fix it, if we don't do it, that makes us liable. Well, that's not a good look. Um, You know, we'd like to spend our money on grass mowing. 
Um, <laughs> More so than uh, amphitheaters, law, you know. lawsuits. Yeah, lawsuits. <laughs> and, and plus, you don't want injured people. I mean, right. I've had a number of people who've sent me photographs of themselves, you know, with this big, you know, bloody knot on their head where they've fallen on city sidewalks and hurt themselves. And a lot of people have head injuries. I, I didn't realize that. The people who send you pictures always have a head injury from falling on a city sidewalk, yeah. and they're always really ugly. Now, there's no way I can let you get out of here without asking you about you getting mad. <laughs> It was the it was the table stomp heard around the world. <laughs> well, tell me, t- tell me your side of your frustration. I have got to hear it now. Of course, I go to meetings, so I know where it was all coming from. But you got to walk us through that. That was two choice. Well, you know, normally I am not a table pounding <laughs> person. But, you know, sometimes you just get to the point where you've been saying the same thing for 21 years and the same bunch of deaf ears have listened to you and blown you off. And I guess I just I guess it just kind of got to me. You know, it's like it's like my thing when I was first elected and, and ever since is the citizens. We need to serve the citizens. We need to stop the self-serving, I want my picture taken in front of, you know, this and that and the other at the ribbon cutting. Well, you can't, you can't stand in front of a sewer for a ribbon cutting. But the sewer, the stopped-up sewer, causes a lot of problems for the regular people that live in Birmingham. And these are the people who have chosen to stay in Birmingham. Right Now, if you poll city employees, you know, there are not a whole lot of city employees that live in the city of Birmingham. They all live in one of those 37 other municipalities that surround us. So, you know, to me, we should pay attention to the people who have chosen to stay in Birmingham, and some of them even come out and vote for us. So why would we blow them off every time they want something because we're more interested in constructing the latest construction project? Aside from just being the corporate person, if you weren't doing this, what would you do? How would you be serving? How, what would be different if you weren't the city councilor? Well, actually, I've given that a lot of thought because, you know, some of the things that you said in my bio, I thought I need to modify that because I'm taking care of my 100-year-old mother now. She is my responsibility, and so needless to say... I'm not going to absolutely every event in every part of town that everyone has ever invited me to <laughs> like I used to do. Um, you know, I have to, I, you know, I have my other responsibilities now. So sometimes I think, okay, when, when you leave the city council, you know, what are you going to do? Well, you know, my thoughts are that I will, of course, I'm involved with my church and I, I will continue to be involved with them until one of us is gone. But um, I think that I'll become more active in my neighborhood association because even though I try to participate, you know, you can't 
just participate in your own, then you have to go and participate in everybody's. And like I just said, I'm not getting out like I used to. Um, so, you know, I'm blessed to have a mother who's still alive. I was just going to say, you know, at so my age, yeah, oh, my so people look wonderful. at me and think I ought to be dead. Well, I, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, I'm taking, and I'm taking care of my mother. So, you know, so it's, I'm, I'm very, I'm blessed in that way. And yet, you know, it is a lot of work and it's a lot of stress, you know, worry and anxiety because of all the things that go wrong when you're 100 years old. You know, I personally don't really want to live to be 100 years old, but (laughs) just in case, I continue to walk five miles a day and go to the gym and, you know, early in the morning. We used to pass each other walking. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, well, you know, when my mother goes and gets her hair and her nails done, I am at the gym. (laughs) Okay, okay. Well, um... I want I want to leave you with something that I told uh, Randall as well. You can't go until you pick somebody to be in your place. I know everybody I'm is looking. I'm just saying everybody's like, who is she running again? All I'm saying is that's a lot of work to have done to allow someone else to come undo. And what that so I just want you to know until you pick somebody else, <laughs> I expect to see you again. Sweetheart, I have been here. <laughs> Do you realize at the end of this term I will have been on the council for twenty four years? I know, but, and but hold that's on. longer than anybody else has stayed. I know, but this is this is why that's good. This is why that's good. And this is I'm I'm just a year or two younger, but I bring this conversation to the table all the time. And that is, we've been here long enough to where we saw someone promise it and maybe going to work on it. And by the time they're gone, now you have to start from scratch telling your uh, counterparts that it's even a problem, that it's even an issue. And so that, that history that you bring to be able to say, nope, nope, this mayor did that, this council did that. Being able to do that, in my opinion, is very important. And so that's, and plus, even though it drove everybody else crazy, I used to love seeing you at everybody's events. Because they would be, (laughs) why is she at our event? This isn't our district. That used to crack me up the way it ticked everybody off. So well, I know you I, I had to was, back away from it. I thought it was funny, too. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> I could name names, but I'm not going to. You know, they wouldn't come to my district to anything, but I would go to theirs because I wanted to know, like, what are people thinking? What are the problems? Yeah. What are the issues over in Wylam? Right. Well, if you never go to Wylam, how the heck would you know? <laughs> There's a lot of people that can't even find places in my district because they've never been to them before. But I can go find places in every single one of their districts Mm. because I have been messing around in the whole city. I mean, I can get around even without GPS. (laughs) And they know who you are when you get there. Yeah, I, I did tick off some people. But, you know, 
I made a few happy too. You made a few happy. You know, when I showed up, there was some. It was a church service that I was invited to in Wylam one night, and I went. And um, oh gosh, I'm terrible with names. That's one of my biggest um, problems is remembering people's names, and I, I'll remember it after we leave. But anyway, the guy that invited me was just dumbfounded that I had shown up. <laughs> <laughs> None of his people showed up. Right. I was there. So it was, and, and he talked about that for years afterwards, you know, that I had shown up in Wylam to go to his event, and, you know, where was his council member? So uh, anyway, but so some sometimes it was funny, and sometimes it was sad. Yeah. You know, because who would, I would be thrilled if other council members came to something in my district and wanted yeah. to know what was going on over in three. That's that's why I used to like you doing it, because you, you came and you saw for yourself what the issue was in six, so that when you went to the meeting, you could be an advocate for that issue. Yeah, I would know it how to vote. It made all the sense in the world to me. Well, it made sense to me, but I guess if you're thin-skinned and you, you maybe. I don't know what, you know, I mean, you look at me and you look at you and you know there's little difference. You're, right. You know, you're a man. <laughs> um, but, but and sometimes those egos get in there and, you know, you have some woman that looks like me showing up in your district. I guess yeah. it just makes some of them puff up, and they did. But in the end. You got to give some shout outs. Who are you going to give a shout out to? Got to give a shout-out to your mom. Oh, I give a shout-out to my mom and to Dr. Lee, Daryl Lee, who is the, um, he was the the savior for me because he came when my longtime assistant had gotten Alzheimer's. Mm. And Dr. Lee came and he was going to work with us for, I think he said four weeks or six weeks. I gave him a special project to work on. And he realized that there was a big problem. And he just saved the day. He did two people's work. And, and of course, he's still with me. And he is, he is a blessing. He is an absolute blessing to me and to District 3 because he takes care of business. This podcast has been brought to you by Jefferson County Sheriff's Office.